Good morning, church. 9.30, how are we doing? Honestly, 8 a.m. had more energy than that. I'm, I'm pretty disappointed. Um, well, hey, my name, I'm sorry, I love you guys. Uh, my name is Zach Summers, and with me is... Jolene Fisher. Uh, and we are here on staff at uh, Valley Real Life, uh, and on staff in the groups team. And so both of us oversee kind of a section of life groups, uh, and we get today to talk to you about uh, the last uh, sermons uh, in this series uh, focused on D, which is disciple. Uh, we've been going through our A, B, C, D whole uh, process. We call it our discipleship pathway, accept, belong, contribute, and today is disciple. But before we get there, we want to remind you of just the vision and mission of our church. And I think you're going to see how all of this rounds out today. Uh, and you see how kind of all of this plays out in the way that we practically do church. So our vision here at Valley Real Life, uh, we're here to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And I want to emphasize one person, one individual at a time. We see this out of Acts 1.8. Our mission is to then be and make disciples. And we get this out of Matthew 28. Jesus says, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And so this whole uh, concept uh, goes and then points into our ABCD uh, discipleship pathway, accept, belong, contribute, and disciple. And so if our mission is be and make disciples, well, what the heck does that mean? It's a, it's a fun little tagline, but how does it actually apply to our lives? So today we're gonna talk about disciple. Now, I wanna ease your uh, the tension a little bit and tell you right now that you are currently discipling someone. Great job. Man, I'm so proud of you. I've been praying for you to do this for a while. Um, you're currently discipling someone. But the question is, what are you discipling them in? If you're me, uh, and you're from the great state of Ohio, then I'm making disciples of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Come on, anyone? I got, I got, woo, yes, yes, I got one. Okay, well, I never get one. Um, you know, I don't know, people out here talk about cougars and other, and some 49er. I don't even know why 49ers are big out here. It doesn't make sense, I don't know. But uh, I love the Ohio State Buckeyes, and so I'm, I'm con- if you talk with me, somehow I'll work Ohio into the conversation. Um, but also, we think about uh, fashion, politics, football, hunting, uh, coffee. Um, I feel like those Stanley mugs everybody has nowadays, you know, those big giant mugs. Um, finance, uh, Apple versus Android, all these things. We get really passionate about these topics. And when we're passionate about these topics, guess what we don't shut up about? These topics. And so uh, within that, I want to make the point that we disciple out of what we identify with the most. We disciple out of what we identify with the most. But let's back up. What does it mean to disciple? Yeah, you guys, we're gonna turn this question over to you because we're gonna give you the definition of disciple here in just a minute. But before we do that, we want you guys to turn to your partner and tell them what you think the definition of disciple is. Go ahead and do that now. Do that now. What is a disciple? Answer that question. You guys were quick. Short answers, right to the point. I love that. It's <laughs> been here a while. Love that. I'm seeing a lot of head nods. Sounds like we got some really long answers to what is a disciple. 
We're going to yeah. short ones. Yeah. yeah, we're going to make it really easy for you guys. Out of Matthew 4:19, Jesus was saying to his disciples, "Follow me and I will make you fishers of men." And when we break that down, we see follow me, that means to follow Jesus, and then I will make, he's going to change us in the process, and then eventually we're going to make you fishers of men. So we're going to go out and multiply that definition of discipleship. So follow me and I will make you fishers of men is going to be our anchoring verse. And what we here at Valley Real Life like to use just to make it easy on all of us to remember. So the fact that is a disciple then follows Jesus, a disciple is being changed by Jesus, and a disciple is on mission with Jesus. But even to further that point, then what's a disciple maker? Well, simply, it's somebody who helps other people follow Jesus, somebody who helps other people be changed by Jesus, and somebody uh, that helps people be on mission with Jesus. Uh, come on, 9.30, let's go. We gotta get going. Be on mission with Jesus. Uh, and in order to make disciples, the reality is you need to be a disciple. So before we get into the context of what this looks like in your life, within church, and within your faith, Jolene, do you have any examples of how maybe this idea of discipleship has played out in your life outside of the church context? Yes, absolutely. We got to go way back, though. Way back when, when I was an undergrad at Eastern Washington University, how many of you are an Eagle, by the way? All right. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> So uh, back in 1995, I stepped on the campus of Eastern Washington University, and the first thing I did was I joined the Eagle Ambassadors, which were a group of people that got to walk around prospective students around campus, and so I was very proud of Eastern. My identity was all wrapped up in that, and in my second year, I wanted to be an athletic trainer. So I applied for the athletic training program, and I was accepted into that program, which felt really prestigious. It was something that I got to do then for the next two years. I belonged to this group of people that were all very much invested in me to get me to the finish line. I had to contribute 1,500 hours of clinical experience in order to get my degree and, and get certified as an athletic trainer. So once you get that certification, then you're, you're, you've kind of arrived at that level, right? Well, not really. So for the next two years, I decided I'd go back to Eastern and get my master's degree and be the graduate assistant athletic trainer there. The hard part about that was I went from being a peer to now a teacher over the students that were still in the program. And that was a really hard transition, but it was a great time for me to see that, that path of discipleship kind of play out in my life. In, but that's what I was discipling, was how to be an athletic trainer. Eventually, I went on and was a professor there for two more years. And so for eight years, I was at Eastern Washington University and really all in there. Uh, so you can see how the apprentice became the master or the student became the teacher. And that's what it's like here. To disciple someone is to go from being the student into the teacher or that apprentice to master levels where we know how to go along that ABCD discipleship pathway from accepting Christ to being changed by Christ and then being on mission for him. So that, how does that look here at Valley Real Life? We have the ABCD discipleship pathway, but eventually we get to that point where we've done enough, uh, we've accepted Christ, we now belong to the body of Christ, and we've contributed of our times, talents, and treasures, and now we're on that path to, toward discipleship. Absolutely. So why do we disciple? Because um, Jesus said so? <laughs> I mean, I feel like, cool, church is over, let's go. If, <laughs> if it was just as simply as doing what Jesus said, um, then I feel like we'd all just be all good to go. 
Um, but it's hard sometimes because Jesus said things, but we wanna uh, be able to maybe provide some definition, explanation, and maybe some practical nature to help you do what Jesus himself has said to do. Well, why else do we do it? Well, out of Romans, uh, Paul gives us this really cool uh, thought, uh, but how can they, the people who do not know Jesus, call on him, Jesus, to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And then how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. I wanna encourage you today, or uh, there is no plan B in that you are God's only plan to make disciples. This is a, a thought I had during communion. I think about the life death and resurrection of Jesus. And well, okay, if Jesus dies, well then obviously he needs to give the mission to his disciples because he's dead and he can't do it. But as Christians, we know that there's a resurrection. So how much more impactful is it that Jesus calls you to make disciples even in and after his resurrection? Even after his resurrection, your plan A. He says, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. That's you. That's your role, your job, our job together as every believer. And this, there's no plan B. This is how he's gonna do it. And he needs you to follow him, to be changed by him, and to be on mission with him. You see, we disciple because we want people to know Jesus personally. It's simple as that. I want people to know Jesus. Do you want people to know Jesus? Let's disciple them. Um, discipleship is also just, a, it's a, a part of our journey, part of our maturing as Christians, um, it's, it's just a part of the process of like, well, in order to actually be a disciple, inevitably, within the definition of a disciple, it's to be on mission with him and to make disciples. So if you are a disciple, you naturally, at some point, will make disciples. Right, so how do we do this within the context of the church? You know, as disciple makers, our goal is to help people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and be on mission for Jesus. And that's why we created the ABCD Discipleship Pathway, so you can see where you're at on the pathway, but also where other people are at on that pathway. Because as disciple makers, we need to be thinking other focus. How do we look at someone and know, or by their actions, where they're at on the ABCD pathway? It gives us a roadmap to follow. And so on that pathway, you can see in the horizontal piece for disciple, we have partner, go, and multiply. So we wanna talk about partnership first. We really think it's important that we find a spiritual partner that we can grow with on this discipleship journey. And that means that we need to have intentionality around this. We can't just assume that our husband or our coworker or our uh, best friend is going to be that person that we are on a spiritual partnership with. That spiritual partner needs to be somebody that has the same goal and outcome as you at the end of that process. So you need to be talking about that. For my husband and I, our goal is to read the Bible in a year. And so with that goal in mind, we wake up every morning at 5 a.m., we read the Bible, and we then pray together and we go about our day. That really sets the tone for the day, but our goal was to finish the Bible in a year. So we, that's the process we go about doing that. And so where are you with your spiritual partnerships? Do you guys have intentionality? Do you have a goal around that? It's an important piece to this. You know, Paul the apostle was somebody in the Bible that was like the the leader of all leaders, right? He just really branched out the church in the first century so much so that he had lots of people that he was discipling and teaching. And his expectation was that they went and taught others to do what he was doing, right? He couldn't do it alone. 
And so we see an example in First and Second Timothy of this young man that Paul was discipling. Our goal for you guys this week is to read Second Timothy so you can really get a good idea because we don't have all time today to cover it, but we're gonna be using two verses within Second Timothy to kind of illustrate how Paul used Timothy and how Timothy um, used the message of Paul to then branch out in that discipleship journey. Absolutely, and so today, hopefully you get this idea that there's a relationship between uh, a disciple maker and a disciple. We have Paul and Timothy, right? And Paul is investing into Timothy. And so we're gonna look through partner, uh, go and multiply in a way to describe how Paul modeled these things practically to Timothy. So the question then is how did Paul model partnering to Timothy? And we see this in 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 18. As you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me. So he's talking to Timothy. He's like, everyone's left, Timothy. Even uh, that guy and that guy. They both left. They're on. They're gone. Uh, but may the Lord show special kindness to, I practice this one, one Siphorus. Um, and may he show special kindness to him and all of his family because he often visited me and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because uh, I was in chains. Uh, and when he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. So may the Lord show him special kindness on the day of Christ's return. And you know very well how helpful he was to me in Ephesus. Paul needed Onesiphorus. Paul couldn't do it alone. Uh, he needed encouragement, love, support, and challenge in order to continue in ministry. Paul was in a season where everyone had left him. And I wonder if maybe you feel like you're in a season where everyone has left you and you feel alone. And my question to you is, who's your one Cyphorus? Who's that person that's reaching out to you? And do you have a person that is reaching out to you when those times come? Because we all need people to just kind of show up when life kind of hits the fan. We need people that are there for us and that are in community with us, challenging us. This is this idea of spiritual partners. And I wanna share with you a story about a guy named Mark in our church uh, who kind of recognized that he had this hole of spiritual partnership in his life and he decided to, uh, to change things up a bit and start getting committed, uh, just in community here at Valley Real Life. So let's check out this story. until late 20s is when I, when I was curious, seeking God, and I had a good friend of mine in the military that was an ordained pastor and someone I could talk to and questions and things like that, any answers I had. I had all the toys, all the cars, you know, everything that I wanted. My life was empty, so that's when I really noticed that I needed more, you know, I needed God, and so I gave my life to Christ. I remember sitting in my garage praying to God, like, you know, I need, I need other men in my life, accountability, whatever it may be. I was going to men's breakfast, and I remember seeing an announcement for the men's expedition. I said, okay, well, I'll sign up for that. Sounds pretty cool. That weekend, I had planned to do every activity, all the fun stuff, and ended up just sitting there, resting in God. It was an amazing weekend to connect with a lot of men that I didn't know through the church and just, you know, build relationships. I definitely came back with you know, that, that fire for God and wanting to, to serve him and do whatever his will is in my life, you know, regardless of my comfort or anything else. The men that are there want to grow closer to God and then eventually 
push each other to grow in Christ and to challenge each other along the way. If they're having a struggle or I have a struggle, we'd be able to reach out to have other men that are pursuing God. My cup has been filled from being able to do the things that God wants me to do, and it's overfilled and flowing onto my family, and it's definitely affected them in a positive way. If you're walking with other men, you're loving on them, encouraging them, you know, just showing up for them a lot of times is that discipleship. Amen. Did you hear what Mark said? Sometimes just showing up for people is discipleship. And I think that's true. And I think that's true in how Onesiphorus was with Paul, where in reality, Onesiphorus showed up. He encouraged him. He sought Paul out. And so what does partnering look like in your life? Well, if you're a note taker, this is a great time to take notes because this is a great time to pay attention and wake up your, uh, wake up your neighbor. Because we're gonna give you three relationships that we want you to focus on and how, what, you know, what this partnership looks like in your life. And the first one is, do you, have a, do you have a Paul? Do you have a mentor? Do you have someone that's a couple steps ahead of you, uh, a couple steps ahead of you a role model, uh, somebody investing into you? And, and hear me out, this doesn't matter what age or stage you're at, whether you're a young buck like me or a seasoned sage like Scott Sparley, um, for those who know him on staff. Um, we all need somebody who's gonna pour into us that's a little further down the way. So do you have a mentor or spiritual teacher who provides leadership, accountability, and encouragement to you? Do you have a onesiphorous partner, a peer, a friend, someone that you're shoulder and shoulder with doing ministry together, that you're encouraging each other, you're challenging each other, all right? You are walking hand in hand, you're, you're picking each other up when they're down, you're, you're going after each other, you're showing up for each other when they need it. Do you have someone like this in your life? And thirdly, do you guys have a Timothy? Somebody that you're discipling, somebody who might be younger than you? 10 years younger or so, somebody that can look up to you, see that you've done a journey ahead of them that they wanna go on, or, or maybe they have kids, you have kids 10 years older than theirs, and they're like, please help me figure this whole thing out. But again, let's go back to that attentional versus assumed. Make sure that when you are thinking about who you're discipling that this is very intentional. We may assume that we're discipling our children, but they may not know that. We need to talk to them about this process. Get them to understand that this is something that you want them to even do with their friends and that discipleship is a, a thing. Give them definitions for it and give them some boundaries around what that looks like. Absolutely. And discipleship doesn't even just have to be kids or younger people. Maybe it's just younger people in faith, younger in their faith. This can look like a lot of different things, but the main thing is that it has to be intentional as opposed to just assuming that it's gonna happen because it doesn't happen naturally. The next part, though, is uh, go. So we had partner, check, now we're gonna go. And our subheading for this one is to courageously lead others in their A, B, C, D journey. So essentially, courageously lead others to take their next steps in their relationship with faith and to specifically know them and challenge them wherever they are at. And how do we see Paul model this to Timothy? Great question, let me tell you. In 2 Timothy 1, 4 through 7, it says this. I long to see you again. Again, Paul talking to Timothy. For I remember the tears as you parted. I remember, uh, I, I was, 
and I will be filled with joy, sorry, I will be filled with joy when we're together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you and prayed for you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Paul models, hear this, Paul models, you must have a deep relationship with someone in order to disciple them. You must have a deep relationship with someone in order to disciple them. There's a classic adage you've heard, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? The truth that Paul shares with Timothy means more because of their relationship. Thinking about the prayer, he says, you know, I, I, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. How much more do you think that truth hits if Paul deeply knows Timothy and knows that, hey, I know that he's struggling with fear and timidity, so I'm gonna say this specific truth to him and challenge him with it and encourage him with it. Man, Paul knew his family. Paul has cried with Timothy. Paul has laughed with Timothy and, uh, Timothy. and because of that relationship that he has with him, the truth that he says and the truth that he shares with Timothy is much, much more powerful. Yeah, and speaking of timidity, uh, what, do, what does this look like in the church? A lot of us are timid to reach out to other people that we know really need to take that next step. We recognize that in someone, yet we're not asking that's on us, you guys. These people are looking, they're willing to take that step of growth and of faith, and they just don't maybe know how to do it. And so it's on us as disciple makers to go out there and put our heads up, look around and see the need in our church and know where they're at on that discipleship pathway. So here are some ways that we can do that. We can invite them to a life group. So if you're not already in a life group, you need to join a life group so you can invite someone to a life group. Because if you're sitting in the in those chairs at a life group and somebody comes in and they know you already, they're gonna feel much more likely to be invited in and wanna stay. So it starts with us making that decision to join and then invite people in. Another way we can do this is if you have ever been a part of sacred mentoring or radical mentoring, which are mentoring groups we start in January, and by the way, applications are coming out in November for those. Um, if you've ever been involved in that and it's changed your life, well, then tell five people about it. Don't, don't let that opportunity pass you by when applications come out. Call your friends and say, listen, you need to be involved in this group. When Sacred Mentoring came out last year, I had a group of 25 women I called. And wow. I didn't stop until I got hold of every single one of them because it was important to me that they knew that I wanted them in that group, that I knew that that needed to be their next step of growth in their faith journey. So can we stop being timid? Can we do what God's called us to do and reach out in faith? So we're gonna talk um, also about serve. Let's serve together. Because when we serve together or invite someone in to serve with us, that might be our new next best friend or our new next spiritual partner. And you guys, this isn't on Zach and I or the elders of the church, the spiritual leaders of the church. This is on all of us. We are all here to be disciple makers. God called each and every one of you to this mission. 
So if you think it's up to the, the, the staff and the, you know, the people that are here with paid jobs, it's not. That's, that's the wrong answer. So we need to make sure we're being intentional about discipling other people because it's on all of us. And speaking of that, uh, discipleship, multiply is the last piece in that horizontal journey across discipleship. It's just like babies, you know, the term multiply. When babies who grow up to have babies who grow up to have babies, we populate the earth. We get that concept. But the concept of disciple making, who make disciples, who make disciple makers, that's the same concept. How else does Christianity spread across the globe here and in our church locally and internationally? It's up to us. We're the plan A. And in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 3, Paul talks to Timothy specifically about this concept. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses Entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The goal Paul is explaining to Tiffany, or Tiffany, why do I keep saying that? It is Tiffany. Yeah, all you women and men out there, Timothys and Tiffany's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) our goal is to um, teach others who teach others, right? So it's like the ultimate expression, the final and ultimate expression of a a disciple or being a disciple is being somebody who is discipling a disciple maker. And that disciple maker then goes on and make disciple makers. We're all on our own spiritual journey, but none of us gets a pass when it comes to this, okay? So no matter where you're at on this journey, you can be a disciple maker. In fact, if you never take this step, it actually results in spiritual dysfunction in your life. And it's not what God has called for your life. So because it's when we pour into other people that that person then gets a chance to become most like Jesus and same with us. Yeah. So what does this look like then? What does it look like to multiply other than making babies? Um, The reality, uh, our faith cannot stay our own. So I'm assuming now that you as an individual are pouring into other people and are investing into others. All right. So if that's my assumption, now I want you to reflect, self-reflect. I'm gonna ask you a couple questions and this is kind of how you can figure out what it looks like to multiply disciples in your life, all right? Are the people that you pour into, are they ready to pour into others? Are they pouring into other people? Are the people you pour in, are they pouring into others? Have you communicated the goal of making disciples or are you just kind of growing together? Are you just supporting each other? Because the reality is, if we don't communicate the goal of making disciples, if we don't have a goal in mind and a vision and a mission to go after, it's so easy and natural for us to get off mission, to drift, and to be unfocused in how we're doing this. Are you leading a group? And if so, who's your next leader? Have you ever raised up another life group leader to go out and make more disciples? Or have you just stuck together like a little huddle. Now, there's good things and bad things in that, but the challenge is if our goal is to make disciples, we wanna make as many disciples as we can. We gotta go to all nations, not just this small corner of Spokane, Washington. If you're not leading a group, you can still ask yourself this question here. Simply, am I raising up and releasing disciple makers? And beyond that, are the people around me raising up and releasing disciple makers? If the answer is no, what are you gonna do about it? 
Because this is our mission. This is the goal. It's to raise up and release disciple makers. This is the ultimate expression of our faith. But the reality, again, is that you have to be intentional about communicating that making disciples is the goal. Because if you don't communicate that making disciples is the goal, it doesn't happen. Or very rarely does it happen. Yeah. So where do we see this being difficult for people? Oftentimes, it's that seeing life through the lens of self. So when we're not seeing it through the life of what the other's needs are, and we're only seeing it about me, what's, what's in it for me, sitting here in these pews every Sunday, day in and day out, but not allowing what you're learning here to go out into the world and, and talk to other people about what you're learning and inviting them in, that's seeing it through the lens of self. It makes things difficult. I'll give you a little analogy about what this is like. You know, my parents have a lake place over on the west, in Western Washington, it's called Mason Lake. And every year the, the beavers come in and they, they dam up the lake. And it's supposed to have an outflow, but in this case it doesn't. And so the, the lake gets bigger and bigger and overflows and, and it can actually poison the lake when there's no outflow. So once that dam opens up and the outflow happens, the lake gets healthier and goes back down. And so metaphorically speaking, what is your dam? What's the, what do you need to be breaking in your life in order for the outflow to happen? Because there's something standing in your way, right? And maybe that is that lens of self. We need to be looking at that a little bit more. It's a process of maturing too. We don't expect you to be on the D part of the ABCD journey from get-go. Now, in the follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, they were, <laughs> boom. But in the process of being disciples, they were being changed. So we don't expect you guys to um, ultimately be disciple from the jump. It's a changing process. Just know that in the process of changing, you're gonna be a disciple too. Don't wait till you're fully matured in order to do it. Because some people make the excuse, oh, I don't know the Bible well enough. I don't feel comfortable praying in public. Okay, that's all right. You'll get there. Just keep trying. It's not okay to stay stagnant. And then lastly, it's that we're seeing this as a responsibility of other people because, oh, it's not my spiritual gift. Eh, wrong answer. <laughs> Everybody gets to do this, each and every one of us. So if you're sitting there saying, oh yeah, I'm just not an evangelist, that's not my thing, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Your spiritual gift is the icing on the cake that makes you uniquely qualified to talk to the person that's right in front of you. So you don't get a pass on that one. And another thing is that a lot of people say, I'm just too busy, you know, I can't do that. I get it when it comes to a season of life but that can't be your only excuse all the time. You can do this in the context of your life, at work, on a walk with a best friend, at the grocery store. Intentionality is important, like we've talked about, but there are times where discipleship doesn't have to be as intentional, it can just happen. And so the excuse of being busy oftentimes comes from Satan saying, yeah, I'm gonna make you busy, because if I do that, you're not gonna be effective for God. And so being under Satan's yoke is a real thing and we need to recognize it for what it is, is spiritual warfare and we need to pray against that. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I've heard, uh, you know, kind of growing up in church a little bit, um, that if Satan can't make you bad, he will make you busy. He will distract you and you'll keep you, uh, he'll keep giving you excuses to not make disciples. And if we all 
use those excuses of being busy, which have you ever talked to somebody and said, oh man, I just got so much free time? <laughs> Not in our culture. And if we all use the excuse of being busy, the church would die. So we've gotta get over those excuses. But I think there's one more excuse, um, one more thing that actually makes uh, being a disciple maker really hard. And honestly, I think it's an identity crisis. And I'm, I'm gonna push a little bit here. And I'm gonna ask, are you a disciple maker or use something else. A friend told me, um, we're talking about disciple making, we're talking about people who attend church. He's like, well, you know, attending church doesn't just make you a disciple maker, just like standing in a car doesn't make you, uh, standing in a garage doesn't make you a car. Man, I butchered it, oh my gosh. That could have been so impactful. Lives were gonna change. <laughs> Going to church doesn't make you a disciple maker, just like standing in a garage doesn't make you a car. All right, coming to church, this is, this is incredible. This is what we want. This is the belong section. We talked about it earlier, belonging. We need a community of others. We need spiritual partners. We need, we need challenge and accountability. We need encouragement. We, in Hebrews, it says, keep meeting together because some people have stopped. So the Bible tells us to continue to meet together and this is important because we need to be challenged and encouraged. But this is not where church ends. You know, service might be over after this, but discipling doesn't stop. Discipling doesn't just happen in this little room or in the rooms over there. Discipling happens in your home. Discipling happens at the grocery store. Discipling happens in the car. Discipling happens wherever you are when your identity becomes disciple maker. When your identity is a disciple maker, it changes how you interact in every context you exist. When you're a disciple maker attending church, you attend church a little different. When you're a disciple maker leading a life group, you lead a life group a little different. When you're a disciple maker and you go to the grocery store, you go to the grocery store a little different. It's because it comes out of your identity, not out of a list of I have to do this or I have to do this, but it comes out of the very calling that Jesus has given you, the very identity that he wants you to have. This is, this is natural. This is, this is exactly what he created you for. We, to be a disciple is to make disciples. So are you a disciple? Let's break that down. Are you following Jesus? Are you being changed right now? No matter the age and stage, no matter how old or young you are, are you still being changed by Jesus? And are you still on mission with Jesus? Even when it gets hard, even when we have all the excuses in the world, is being a disciple maker your identity? We disciple out of what we identify with the most. I said this earlier, and I, I think it's so true. But here's the beautiful part. This is how God has designed you. God has designed you to be a disciple maker. He's designed you to, to share about things that you're passionate about. So be a disciple. Grow in relationship with him. Fall more in love with Jesus every day, because when you fall in love with Jesus, you can't help but share what he's doing in your life to everyone around you. Amen. This is what God is calling us to do. This is the identity that he has for you. Are you living into this identity? I'm getting a little worked up, sorry. So 
I'm going to give you a little next step here. Uh, very two practical things. The first one's going to be a little lighthearted next step just because I beat you with a bat right there. Um, <laughs> in the breezeway, we have these little stickers that say, be and make disciples, Valley Real Life. Grab one on your way out the door and put it somewhere that you can maybe put in your car, on your Stanley water bottle, um, on your uh, bedroom mirror, your bathroom mirror, wherever, out the door, and put it somewhere where you can just constantly remind yourself every single day, I am a disciple maker and I have a mission here. Exactly, thank you for that. Uh, also, ABCD pathway, take a picture of the pathway because this is something that we're gonna wanna use as we go forward into this next season of our life. And so we know where we're at on the pathway and where other people are at as well. Absolutely, this is super practical. It's a really practical tool. If you need it, also you can email the church. But at Valley Real Life, nothing matters more than being and making disciples. Guys, it's not just a catchy tagline. It's not just the thing that we promote to the church to say, hey, this is an identity. This is what it's all about, is to be a disciple who makes disciples, who makes disciples. It's not just what Valley Real Life is about, it's what the church is about. It's what Jesus is about. And I pray that it would be what you are all about. So let's stand and I'm gonna pray us out. Jesus, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the example that you give us in Paul and Timothy and the relationships and how we see Paul model making disciples. God, I pray over every individual in this room right now that Jesus, that they would build relationships, that they would have a Paul, a mentor, someone to pour into them, a role model, somebody that's ahead of them. That God, they would have a, a onesiphorus, a friend, a peer, somebody to challenge and encourage them and to seek them out when everyone else deserts them. And lastly, God, I pray that they would have a Timothy, somebody that, Jesus, that they would disciple, somebody that they would pour into, and God, lastly, I would pray that these would not just be assumed relationships, but God, that these would be intentional relationships, that this doesn't happen by accident, but Jesus happens because we know what the goal is. So Jesus, help us follow you, help us be changed by you, and help us be on mission with you, Jesus. Please help us. In your name we pray, amen.